The first round of the NFL playoffs has come and gone, taking six teams with it. Some major upsets, which means some amazing triumphs. But it also means that some coaches are looking at an uncertain future going into the offseason. My name's Kat, and my esteemed co-host is with me, Holmy. Hey, Kat. What an unpredictable week. Only six games, but I'd be amazed if anyone predicted this confidently. Well, there's definitely one game you couldn't have predicted. Uh, <laughs> even when we... I was even when I was listening back to our preview show and I was like, you know, we gave, how could the, how could Green Bay win, you know, playing ABC. And it was like, (laughs) when we're watching, oh, yeah, I was this week. It is wild. It is wild. It is wild. I was very glad that that wild prediction, something came true, but we didn't, we didn't, we weren't confident on it. We didn't back it. Oh no, you couldn't, you couldn't. There was, this is, um, this is unbelievable, really. (laughs) Well, this weekend, I had the pleasure of actually watching a game with you uh, in Melbourne and able to watch the tennis. And I believe you went to the tennis yesterday, right? The Australian Open on at the moment? Yeah, I had a, um, had a little game plan on the side as well. Because did you know that um, the Bills owner, his daughter is a tennis player? Oh, really? No, I had yeah. I had no idea. Wait, who who is she? So it's Jess, Jessica Pegula. Okay. P e g u l a. Uh, so she's the she's the daughter, and she's she's a pretty well ranked tennis player. So the idea was, I've got a Bills hat, so me and work colleague, we were like, we're gonna go get this signed. <laughs> this is our plan. This is our plan. So she was meant to be warming up at um, five p.m. and we've got in there. We've, you know, Australian Open. It's pretty wild, magical. You sort of roll around for a little bit, and yeah. then we head over, and we're like. I put the hat on, looking real sharp, feeling good. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get this. Turn up and I'm like, oh, that's not that's 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 not her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she even she must have come to her practice or come early or come later, but it wasn't her. So unfortunately, we didn't oh, get man. her. So what a so uh... the plan failed. But you know. <laughs> What a what a great plan to try get an in with the bills. <laughs> that was the that was it. What was your plan from there beyond the signature? Were you thinking sponsorship? We hadn't tickets? gone that far. So. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what would have happened? I probably might have got kicked out of the Australian Open or something. Who knows what I would? I probably would have asked for a soundbite or something, you know, or ask her if she's got to be home for the next game, which would have been pretty rude. <laughs> 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 so that was the sort of how we played it out, but unfortunately, that story dies, and I'll I'll try again though if I get if I get back there. So next year, next year, we've got it. We'll we'll next do it. Year. Russia on force in Bill's gear, trying to get that signature. <laughs> well, she is going through to the second round, so that that's exciting. Maybe you have a go. She's I think she's playing tomorrow. Yeah, that was what I was thinking about um, if I can get a grand pass, just go through to see if I can find <laughs> her. But it's a high risk. It's high risk. They don't always turn up the practice. I love you going for the extra effort, mate. I appreciate that. All I did was wear the Chargers shirt you got me to to go and hopefully just get some promotion. I was looking on the TV. I couldn't see you. I was looking. I was looking really hard. Yeah. The joker didn't drag it out long enough. I needed a fifth set. Would have got you. (laughs) It was a great game watching Djokovic play. First time at the Open. Such a great event. I just had the best It's a big event, yeah. yeah. It's really good. But, you know, we're not a tennis podcast. I guess we better talk some football, homie, because the news has been rolling in. Let's jump over to that. After 13 seasons, all pro, he's retired. Jason Kelsey has officially submitted his retirement from the NFL. This is a sad time, homie. I think we've loved watching him play 
especially since he's been more spotlighted. He's brought a lot of attention to the O-line, to centres, and just a great guy in a lovable football player. How are you feeling now that Jason Kelsey has officially announced his retirement? It's It was really sad. I was, um, like, after the game, people were like, oh, what's going to happen? And I was like, I could even hear it in my own voice. He's like, yeah, he's, I'm pretty sure he's done. There was the look on his <laughs> he, face at the end of the game. He was tired, wasn't he? Yeah. He was tired. It's, it was it was that imagery. Was, it's unfortunate that that's the wildcard weekend for me. It's Jason Kelsey keeping his helmet on, tears underneath. Because mm. that it's the... It's so much anticipation, isn't it, when you get to the wild card? It's it's all the hopes lie. Like other teams are left at the door, but yeah. these guys go in and you're out straight away. And it, I reckon it hurts even a little bit more. And for him, it's like the end of a a whole career of anticipation and everything. They built up. I think they're building to try and send him off personally. Yeah, and they just could not get it done. And it's really sad imagery. I was struggling with it. I was checking me up a little bit. I was sad. I hate when they retire. Yeah, me too, especially with Jason. Like, you you see, obviously he's got Travis there who's just beat him in the Super Bowl the year before and he's all high energy and got that dog in him and all that. But Jason's just trying to get it done, trying to get that Super Bowl ring with the Eagles and it broke me a little bit. But, you know, he's set up a great career for him going forward. There's no way he's disappearing. (laughs) We're going to see him more Oh, no, no. (laughs) He's he's embedded in us now. And I think it's a good personality to have rolling around. I like them. You know, I think it brings more people into the game as well. I think he's a really easy one to to join with sort of if you're trying to understand the NFL. And they seem to bring a lot of people into the game, I think. So Mm. I'm really happy for them. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see him in, in other roles, be it in media commentary on top of it. It just depends how much he's going to travel with family. You know, some guys can't get away from the game. They want to still be there. To be honest, I'd love to see him in the locker room somewhere because his experience as a coach, even to the players that he was with, would be, you know, incredible. Yeah, there's so many options for him. If you could, if you were in his ear, you'd be trying to get him somewhere. But I think he might have a little break, I would say. He <laughs> well looked deserved. He looked tired. <laughs> well, moving on. Since our last show, a lot has happened that I think we need some time to, to comment on. The news finally dropped that Bill Belichick and the Patriots have mutually agreed. I'm putting the fingers in the air, the converted commas there, to part ways after a historically defining career Initial thoughts on this one, homie, about Bill. Uh, my initial thoughts are mutual is the wrong word because there's <laughs> no way. <laughs> Someone decided. I don't know who it was. I reckon might have been the GM. I you think reckon? it would have been you Kraft. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon Kraft would have crafted this one. Um, but they had a plan B ready to go, didn't they? I don't know if we – I think it's – I wanted to say goodbye to Bill, but they didn't give me a chance. No, it, it was, this was a very swift succession that happened here. And I'll quickly just be like, well done to Bill. I want to say, though, that like all the people that were like, oh, what a legend, what a hero, end of an era, blah, blah, blah. They're also the people that were like, it's time for a change in New England. You know, they're giving him all the yeah. respect afterwards. And, you know, I'm, you know, Bill's achieved so much. You can't take that away from him, but I, I'm glad that this, this shift has come in. Yeah, I find it funny. It's like, Cut the head off. Cut the head off. Oh, they cut his so head off. sorry that happened. Yeah. <laughs> what a shame. Someone should really take him now. It's like, what? <laughs> I think it's, it is an era that needs to end at the Patriots. I think they're ready to all move on. Um, and I think it's a good move. But I was just, it really surprised me how quick I'd bet 
if you had asked me, oh, how quickly before these coaches get announced, and I was like, oh, we're going to have time. We've got yeah, that due diligence they have to run through. Yeah. And it's like, hello, we've got a new coach. And I must admit, I didn't really know who it was at first. No, I, I literally wrote in my notes, who, who is this guy, homie? <laughs> I was more concerned initially that uh, Mayo Boy had got um, a coaching <laughs> job. But no, it wasn't him. It was Jared Mayo. So he would be the successor and the 15th head coach for this franchise, Cat. Yeah, youngest head coach and the first black head coach in Patriots history. Previously a linebacker's coach, joined the team in 2019. Um Thought quite highly of as well. Yeah. And they and they had literally marked him as you were the next heir to the Patriots in his contract or in some negotiations a long time ago. Yeah, it was they were hunting him. A lot of teams were hunting him last season. And I don't know if it was formally or informally, but it was written into that if he stayed on, he would take the job if Bill left. And we're at that scenario. So he takes the job and it's kind of ex- Kind of exciting. I, yeah. I, I kind of like the look. I kind of, it's an interesting one because they've bypassed, there is rules around if you have to interview a certain amount of people, different backgrounds, all this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a rule in the NFL, but they've bypassed it because they didn't interview anyone. Nope. They just appointed someone. <laughs> no, it's a good way uh, for them to do that. And I think it, it gives some sort of assurance to fans and, and even non-fans of the Patriots are going, they're confident in what they're doing. They're not, testing and and dicking around thinking who am i going to pick we've got someone they're confident in them whole new era as we said at the patriots i'm excited because i think it'll be new quarterback new coach new coaching staff it it could be a completely different team that we're going to see this rebuild and there's a lot to come from them but speaking of a rebuild why don't we jump over to the commanders the previous assistant general manager of the 49ers will be joining the commanders bit of his background it's his 21st season in the nfl Third is the Niners' assistant GM. He was their vice president of player personnel for four seasons prior to that and the Broncos' director of college scouting. It's Adam Peters. For the way that the Niners are built, you'd think that this guy must have a, a strong eye for talent that could really benefit building the commanders. Well, he's got a good list to work off too. And then they have nine draft picks, including their second overall. Wow. And then they go on and have... They got projected to have the most salary cap as well because they dumped some players mid-season. So they've he would cut. That's an exciting job for him, I would think. Um, and he's he does have that eye for talent. They talk about him in the McCaffrey conversation a little bit. I okay. don't know how much credit he can take from it, but apparently he likes to hunt that kind of player. And it's like, oh, okay, he could uh, he could have a lot of influence this GM. And we're coming from a good system, the 49ers. So. Yeah, he must be very excited at the commanders. Yeah, it's a very attractive position uh, for him to be, I guess, given all the money and said, run with it. Oh, that's what you want, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it. the opposite of what anyone's going to get with the Chargers, where it's like, we don't have much money and all of our players <laughs> are retiring. Get a Puka Nakua, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can you find a fifth round, like elite future Hall of Famer, please? Uh, who knows? But uh, that is very exciting for the commanders. And the Saints have made some changes as well, homie. Yes, uh, not surprisingly here. So they've uh, Dennis Allen, the uh, coach, has announced that Pete McCarmichael uh, Car- Jr., the longest tenured offensive coordinator in the NFL, he's been fired. So he's not, not in law. The most law. surprising thing about this is that he is the longest tenured 
Yeah, that was, I struggled with that. That's why I added it in because it's so. Uh, I, I was hoping you would react the same way I did. I was like, "Oh, how did you survive? How did you get under yeah. the? Where were you hiding in the cupboards in the different review rooms?" So, <laughs> yeah, clever, clever. Yeah, good but he's change. not going alone, Cad. He's going to take his senior offensive assistant Bob uh, Bicknell and their receivers coach Cody Burns. They were both also got fired. So some changes there for the Saints. And I must say, probably needed. Yeah, well needed at the Saints, especially watching the Buccaneers in the wildcard rounds this weekend. The last bit of news I've got for you so far, Holmy, because it keeps dropping fast and faster and faster every week. But the Chargers have reported that they finished their interview with Jim Harbour. Rumours at the moment are setting that it's Raiders or Chargers still. We'll see where that ends up. But uh, at the end of this recap, I think everyone's going to learn three other coaches that are facing potential chopping block, either here or now. So stay tuned for that. Should we dive into the games? Yeah, let's head there. All right, Kat, I'm going to take us all the way back to the start of this wildcard round and... uh... Yes, it feels like a lifetime ago. Then the Texans took on the Browns and a uh, bit of a blowout here, Cat. Unfortunately, we had a 45-14 to 14 win for the Texans here. Mm. CJ Stroud, young rookie quarterback, he blew this game up. It was exciting. It was an interesting one because the game started then. you, I kind of I got on the narrative really quickly with the um, Texans and yeah. I can see that you're wrapping some merch there as well. It's hidden behind the... Oh, there it is. There it is. I don't know what actually it's called, the the head. Is I don't it, know the Texans logo. Is it a bull head? Sure. It looks like horns. Let's go with that. All right, Texans fans, <laughs> let us know what your logo means. <laughs> but it was an outstanding performance by the rookie. He's broken so many records out of this game. Uh, first rookie to beat a Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl quarterback. First rookie total number one offensive yards what was the other ones oh there's so many franchise record for points that yeah. was the other one uh number one total defense oh, oh first rookie to beat a number one total defense yes the thing we thought the browns were going to be good at was the defense yeah. and they really couldn't hold back this young rookie it was a really ageist week when i think about it a little bit yeah little the, bit. the old fellas copped it a little bit <laughs> Yeah, but it was like, wasn't this a classic Browns game though? We were sort of tracking really lovely and then there was two moments that just basically broke over in this game. The deep ball to Dalton Schultz just before the half. Mm. Beautiful ball by CJ. They really land one of those every game, don't they? Yeah, some beautiful rainbow shot that just arches When he sees them one-on-one in the deep, he just hits it, doesn't he? Man coverage just seems to be don't play that against the Texans because they're going to beat you. And, you know, we've never really talked about them of a team of speed or anything like that, but we saw it with Tank Dell. We've seen it with Nico and then the tight ends getting involved. Like, don't don't play man. Another outstanding game. He just keeps going. He's like this year is just keeps blossoming for him. You sort of they really do become a threat, keep going, because it's like they can, you know, the thing we thought coming into this, could they really stand up once in the playoffs? Like, is this a style that can keep going? Mm. And they proved that it is well, well worth it against the number one defense in the competition. They've just gone and put up 45 points. And classic Joe <laughs> Flacco. Those two intercepts, man. <laughs> oh, pick six. Just throws it or trying to throw it away. He wasn't, I don't know where he's putting that ball, but 
it was classic Joey Flacco, and well, you know, <laughs> you always go the overs on the intercepts with this guy, and but he did it at the wrong time this week, and they couldn't come back from it. Can I remember? And I guess we you and I, you and yeah. I were about to meet. I was just getting on the tram, wrapping up the game, watching it on my phone. You were meeting me at the tram station. I get off, you go, "How are we going?" I was like, "Nah, it's over." It was over like half an hour ago. As soon as that intercept came through, and then he backed it up with another one. Just thought this is the end, and it was probably his. You know, he threw 300 yards, over 300 yards. He had a decent completion rate, but just felt like this was one of the Browns' worst performances we've seen in a long, long time. It was that, that's what I sort of say, ageist. It looked, some teams really turned up this week and Mm -hmm. others didn't. Like their season sort of rolled. It it felt like everything that had had built up on them like fell apart on this game. And it was like all those injuries, all those, everything they'd been holding during the season, they played tight. They looked to carry the burden where the Texans just embraced it. And they were just, and I guess you're on the road. It does count a little bit because the crowds were loud. Oh yeah. These were high energy games, but uh, it is sad for poor old Cleveland. Copping another another losing sports team. (laughs) The records now, they take a few now because it's... uh, there's a few changed this week. There's a few kept going. So the Browns, we say goodbye to you. The Texans, you go forward and you get to keep your story alive. So they got they're off to a they got a big matchup. We'll hold that to the end, but they're they're coming, they're coming quick and they're coming fast, this young team. So this is exciting. It's super exciting. Uh we're we moving it on. Yeah, we better. All right, let's go over to the Chiefs that buried the Dolphins in the freezer. That was Sunday's game in Kansas City. 26 to 7 in minus 20 degree weather. The Dolphins could not seem to get anything going here, homie. Chiefs took full home ground advantage. I was toasty and warm. I was uh, sitting in Richmond watching this game with you. Let's talk about that for just a brief second before we get to the game. Pub was full of NFL fans, which was awesome to see. We had a very loud British Chiefs fans behind me, and then behind you were some very bitterly disappointed Dolphins fans. I think everyone except for that guy was rooting for the Dolphins. I was very surprised. I thought, you know, maybe we're going to wait till the Super Bowl before we get people on the bandwagon, but I thought there would be Chiefs play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, obnoxious Chiefs fans everywhere. That's what I was waiting Yeah, for. I thought that was the given, but no, no, it's it's the Dolphins. There was some loud clapping when when we got uh, Tyreek Hill got his moment and he crossed the line. He was, and it was all looking good, but... They didn't really look that good at all, they, did they? They, they didn't. Were... And, the, and the main thing we, we talked about together, homie, was how the ball was moving. And, and it looked like, as we said, it was made of wood. There was no flight in it. There was no spring or bounce in it. Just a football-shaped block that the Dolphins couldn't really do much in the passing lanes. It was funny, though, because I went back and watched the like the shorter version of the game after just to see, just trying to get a bit more insight. See and, what we, what we what? missed. Yeah, yeah, because we were too. Bu- I was too busy watching Dolphins fans like <laughs> sort of just folding in their chair as every little bit of it's like what they were paying attention from the second half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just watching them in their misery, kind of thinking, "Yeah, this okay, that's what it's like to it's like to be a Chargers fan." Welcome, welcome. <laughs> but at least we didn't give out the biggest score in history. Why do people put that on their socials? Why? Why do we want to remember that? Sorry, well, I digress. We'll come back. We'll come back. But I did see that when he aired the ball out right at the end of the game, like he could have done it. I just don't think they took the risk. I think I don't know why. I don't think the Dolphins really took a risk 
I think they tried to keep themselves in the game for a long period, but they really just, it was not really, they didn't attack. I just felt like they could have gone. I would have loved to seen them just bust, like go for it and get blown out. Like, like yeah. the Browns, like might as well get blown out. Beaten. There's no difference between beaten by three and beaten by 50. Is there? I yeah. was like, go for it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, especially if you're beaten by 50. I think everyone's like, oh, coaching changes, coaching changes, which yeah, is not going to happen at the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need that bad press as the Chargers know, as Brandon Staley does. But the Dolphins did try it multiple ways in passing. They didn't go for those big risky ones, which I think was an issue. Patrick looked a lot better with the ball, but I think the worst thing for the Dolphins here is they couldn't even support it with their run game. Nothing came through no. for the run for them. And the Chiefs, i got to say, they weren't comfortable but they looked much much better than the Dolphins and much better than the Chiefs of past you know Rashi Rice who's been playing incredibly 130 yards Travis got 70 as well Pacheco as we've always said reliable as always um do you think that this is the win that they need to get back that momentum home or are we going to see offensive troubles return next week because was it just because they're up against the Dolphins here who are freezing or are the Chiefs kind of feeling playoff momentum again? I think everything aligned for the Chiefs in this game. They could not have got better conditions. It was built for them, and the opponent was the right one as well to get for these conditions. I think everything aligned. I think the only really bad thing for the day was that uh, Andy Reid's moustache was frozen. That was the only sort of... <laughs> they seemed to... Oh, mate, oh, what Travis Kelsey dropped. That was pretty bad. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty bad. We, we thought... I thought, you know... Are we seeing the team that makes the playoffs? Is this the Chiefs that makes the playoffs and goes on a run? But life doesn't get easier for them after this now because for the first time, they're going on the road, like mm. really on the road. And we'll hold that to, nah, let's not hold it. They're going to Bill's country. Yeah. Like they are, <laughs> they are got to go on a trip. And I think maybe it might turn up next week, but, but they're here. They're dangerous. They're yeah. very dangerous. Yeah, you don't feel comfortable, especially no matter what the Chiefs have done this season, don't feel comfortable about them in the playoffs. Um, I did love when Travis did drop that catch. It's the loudest you and I got next to that Chiefs fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He thought, he, I kind of felt like you thought we were ragging on him, but no, I was like, no, no. We he just... did kind of think we were bullying him a little bit, I think. Which, yeah, uh, so it's okay. We're, not, we're, we're Chargers supporters. We're not going to hurt you. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, homie, I don't want a grading, but uh, what are your honest thoughts on the Dolphins season looking back? Oh, it's hard. You can look at the first half and you think it was a glorious season. Mm. It rolled. It's really just the last month, really. Like a, like a few teams in this category. So I've got to give them... I actually got to give them a C. Yeah. Because they didn't answer the questions. So they're going into the offseason having to soul search again. Like it was not. A, it's not a little... We missed a couple of things. Yes, the injuries were bad towards the end of the season, but I think they failed and their system has to be reviewed. So that's not a good off season. So no, I agree. With, for me. I agree with you there. I think it's the fact that you know, we've talked about all season is that they are a great team. Yes, they can blow up bad teams, 70 points. They can put some of the biggest scorigamis out there in the world, but you can't actually contend against a good team. And that's something systematically wrong when you've got the players that you have. There's a lot that needs to be changed there. If anyone can, it's our favourite coach, but uh, we'll have to see what the Dolphins fix up next year and maybe who they get to support, especially on defence is what I'm looking for there. So let's move it on. Cowboys versus Packers homie. 
yeah, I can't hold this any longer. Let's get there because this is unbelievable. The Cowboys go down at home to the number seven seed, <laughs> who are the Packers, <laughs> who basically own them. But apparently, it wasn't when they're at only when they're away. But now every scenario, the Packers out of forty-eight to thirty-two, bit bit flattering on the scoreline because this is not how it was. It was it was more of a it was absolute drumming here. One of the biggest upsets, I reckon, in recent playoff history. Yeah. Uh, this is absurd. Weird vibes straight off the bat by the Cowboys, right? Dak and CeeDee Lamb. A little bit of chatter between them. It was more Dak towards CeeDee Lamb. And you see CeeDee Lamb on the sideline looking yeah, like Yeah, there were was... some eyes. There were some yeah. dirty looks between the boys there who have been in rhythm all season. So I don't know what was going on here. This is a bad analogy, but he would kind of look like a kicked dog. You know, when it, like they, like he, Tail he looked the legs frail. And, yeah. yeah, it was like something was off. And I don't think, uh, I just, did, it did not look good. But for for the Packers, they lit it up. They were savage. They were up and about. Aaron Jones just takes this game, doesn't he? We sort of tracked him as a player. He goes and have his, it's his fourth week in a row now above 100 yards gets three touchdowns for the game. Yeah. He just they just took this game, didn't they? That it was unbelievable. They got the jump early, which was wild. And I mean they, they yeah. started on. And that's what we talked about is which Packers team was going to show up. And I think the best version of the Packers showed up here. Yes, the Cowboys let it slip and fell apart. But I mean the Packers came out ready to roll and it looked like their game from day dot. It it almost I jumped on it straight as I could, as you said with the Texans. I jumped on that Packers narrative as soon as I could when I watched the game. First touchdown, it looked like they were taking it all the way. There were sort of moments where you're like, when they scored just before halftime, the Cowboys, you're like, okay, they'll reset, I'll come back out and we'll see a different team. Nah, same no. story, keep going. That's what surprised me the most, I think. I think I thought they made that score, okay, and it was a pretty little luck in the call as well. Mm-hmm. There a little luck there. I thought, okay, they'll feel that vibe, they'll come back out and they'll get it going, but... When they get pressed, when you do get them to plan C, Dak goes searching for those balls, doesn't he? And Jair Alexander took a pick. Yeah, I was happy about that one. I was happy about that one. And then he throws a pick six as well. And it's just like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, it was painful. And it, you could just, they kept panning to the box. They kept panning to the coach. To, they kept to panning Jones. to Dak. And, and it was just like, oh, everyone, it's very unusual that a whole team wants to dig a hole. Like yeah. I normally say one player wants An to dig a hole. entire organisation like, oh. plus their fans want to bury themselves under that stadium. Yeah, you could just feel the weight of the uh, Americas and probably the world just going, oh, you did it again. <laughs> it's the worst thing <laughs> You did it again. Uh, it's too funny when it happens to the Cowboys just because they are those fans that every year they run through this process and get eliminated, not usually this early, but, I mean, as soon as they started to lose, I was we just dive on social media to see literally the best comedy content with the cheapest plot in it ever, ragging on these Cowboys fans. It's so interesting as well because they usually, they it's always like they do two positives and a negative, a lot of the commentary as well. They'll be like, this is their third, 12 and fifth season <laughs> in a row. And you're like, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, they're not just scraping into the playoffs and getting knocked out. It's like they are the best team in the regular season and then losing in the playoffs. And it's, 
And they also lost to the youngest team in playoffs history since 1970. Like this team is young. Mm. They've got injuries. They shouldn't really even be there. Jordan Love is playing unbelievably. He just seems to be growing in front of our eyes. And Matt LaFleur, he seems to be a, he seems to be getting a lot out of this team. Yeah. Like he's a really good, it's surprising. He's the era after Aaron Rodgers. It's like he's, he's reborn as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's a, uh, I really enjoying what he's getting out of this team. And they they're young. Yeah. <laughs> they are young, this team. Like, they could go on and on. Oh, it feels like the, the Texans and Packers is going to be our favourite teams to kind of track early next season. But uh, I guess, Holmey, it does raise that question, as it does every year for the Cowboys. Seems to have a little bit more behind it this year, which I'm sure people say every year. But Mike McCarthy, a lot of speculation on his coaching role, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode as well, right? Yeah, I think we'll hold it to the end of the episode because we're going to interlock with a few of the other games. So let's hold it till then. Massive upset here. Cowboys are out. Packers go on and it's it's still hard to digest this one. It's still hard. <laughs> well, you're not even a Cowboys fan. Can't be after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, homie, moving it on to the Bills versus the Steelers. And the Bills stayed on top for all four quarters, taking this game 31-17. to 17. This game looked over early. Bills leading 21-0 in the second quarter before the Steelers replied. Turnovers, though, sadly, the name of this Steelers game here. They just could not hold on to the ball. It was like a bar of soap when, as soon as they got tackled, and they gave the Bills such a strong opportunity to get an early lead here. Yeah, the game was pushed back to Tuesday, and it looked like um, the Steelers forgot to turn up because mm. they did not get going at all. It was a shocking start here, and you can't go... You can't, in the playoffs, give a team that that much runway. Oh, three-touchdown three advantage, yeah. Yeah, and it was just it was it just it almost ruined the game in a way. They worked really hard to get back into it, and it got interesting. But once you get to it's just too much of a hurdle for a young team. Mm. Well, not a young team, but a team that hasn't got that superstar quality at the top. They need to be in the game the whole time. Yeah, it was unfortunate. They really missed a jump here, really badly jump. Yeah, as you said, they they brought it back to twenty four and seventeen, and it looked like okay, we're getting some motion together here, and like. Can't help but think what happened if those turnovers didn't happen and, and run off for a touchdown. I think it would have been close, but I think from what I saw, undeniably the Bills were on fire and they were in control this round because Josh Allen had some oh. hero moments again, didn't he? Ran for a 50, I think it's a 52-yard rushing touchdown. He just went to escape the pocket, maybe gain a first down and thought, oh, the end zone's right there. It runs it all the way through and just some superhero stuff from Josh. I just don't think the Steelers, even if it was close, were going to edge this one out. I was messaging, messaging a mate and you know when uh, he got, he slid and got hit late and yeah. I'm like, he's like, my mate's like, oh, sh-, like I'm sick of this. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they can't call that because Josh Allen, and I agree because Josh Allen, you don't know if he's going down or not. No. Like, he is, he is so rogue out there. I would love to have these like in a monologue when he's running on the one of those runs. It'd be so intriguing to see him. It's like, ooh, ooh, oh, I'm gonna go there. Oh, I'm bigger than you. I'm gonna run over you. Oh, gonna, he is like just, six five as well. It's not like he's a small yeah, frog. He's a man monster, and he he just gets on a rampage, and it, it was so exciting. I, I enjoy. It's so rogue. He stresses though. you out though, doesn't he? Like, yeah, it does. Yeah. It absolutely stresses me out. I do. I can't handle it, but I, I do enjoy it so much. <laughs> Well, the Steelers, 
let's talk about them. They're now zero in four, zero and four in playoff appearances since 2017. They've allowed 41.5 points per game in each one of those appearances. Article came out this morning, homie, that Najee Harris has voiced his frustrations post game, where he talked about the Steelers needing in-house changes. Now, he did specify it had nothing to do with changing coaches. I'll be clear on that. But he did talk a lot about the rules in-house. My perspective is he's talking about the culture of the team, potentially player discipline. Uh, and he, he did make it very clear it's nothing against Mike Tomlin or the coaches there. Do you have any ideas on this, homie, when he would be talking about in uh, in-house rules for the players? I could only imagine he would be describing... Because they're an old style. Mm. They don't get rid of people. They keep them forever. I would assume it's an old style regime. Yep. Yeah, and I could only imagine, but Najee, that's not good timing. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to think it's your coach you're talking about. No, no matter about. how no much matter you say what, it's not your coach. Yeah, because yeah. no, everyone, it is, that is your narrative coming for your team now. You continue to scrape through to the playoffs unnecessarily it's like stop if you're not going to have impact in the playoffs stop scraping through and go get some go get some draft bricks bricks (laughs) bricks or picks whichever you want (laughs) maybe they need some bricks maybe Maybe that's that's a good segment that's maybe that's a good segment draft pick or draft draft prick we'll find out (laughs) yeah yeah there might be a few coming next year so that that might be the way we go with it but maybe that's what Najee wants to so maybe he wants some bricks in the club so maybe they're too maybe they're too dictatorship yeah, I, I think that's a good point because he said the team has been like this since I got here. I don't know what it was like beforehand, but I think you made a good point. It's been like this the entire time. They're a old, trusted system that they want to keep rolling on, but it is a middling effort. They're not breaking through in the playoffs. They're not making dynamic picks, uh, and it's a lot that kind of has to change. Now, we did see Mike Tomlin walked out of his final press conference. He's not a fan of anyone asking about his contract status and one brave reporter gave it a crack and, and Mike just left, which I think is, you know, no one's like, oh, he's feeling After the heat. murdering them with his eyes. Yeah. Like he, oh, oh, how would you have felt being that journalist? Everyone looking at you like, I had a question. I had a question. <laughs> Couldn't you have waited until last? Oh. Well, I believe his contract does expire at the end of the 2024 season, so next season. Um but we're going to discuss that at the end of the show because there's some interesting contention there. Another coach, I guess, brought into question. Steelers season, now at an end, homie. How would you sum it up? Oh, they're so mediocre, but it is a B. Right? Mm. They have overachieved. I think so. So they get a B, <laughs> but I don't like the B. Like I would rather them failed. Uh, <laughs> it's, an, it's an interesting one because we continue to, yeah, like I've said many times, they keep rolling on and just getting these average seasons good average but i want to see them do one thing or the other go yeah. down or go up one or the other but <laughs> you happy with it be uh i think i think you're right though i kind of have to agree that they've overachieved here with what they had no one thought that they were going to break through into the playoffs and even contend with the bills in in the second half but uh i think yeah a lot needs to change there and we're going to hopefully see it at the steelers the bills do go through as Homie said, to verse the Chiefs, which will be an exciting game to preview next week. Shall we move it on to Lions versus Rams, Homie? One of the biggest games of the week. Yeah, let's get there because that was a cracker. I reckon it was probably one of our best. Really close scoreline here, 24 to 23. It was an excellent game and well done to both teams because they turned up so many narratives running through this game. There was the return of, uh, what do we have? 
Who have we got? Someone coming home. Goff and Stafford. Goff and Stafford we had. Then we had, who else did we have? There was more. Oh, it was the coaches. Coaches and Goff. And then our uh, Lions coach defending Goff. It was just so, I I don't know if you've seen um, the footage after the, oh, Lions won, everyone. You know that, right? Yeah, 24 to 23, the Lions took it. (laughs) The Lions won, yeah. Uh, There was in the locker room, the coach for the Lions is like, you're our you're our goth. Like we, like we, <laughs> we, you, we believe you're ours. Like, you. You're ours now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't dump you like that Rams team did back in the day. <laughs> you're our boy. Go get us a Super Bowl Cause uh, we think you can. Did, is everyone clear of the background of that story of like, it was, it was a, it was quite an interesting overarching story for the whole thing. Wasn't it? The, the Rams, he'd made a Super Bowl. They drop him, go get, Stafford. Yeah, they, they did a little exchange from the Lions to mm. the Rams. Stafford then goes, wins a Super Bowl with the Rams. Goff is now, this is the best playoff performance that they've had at the Lions. And, you know, all the memes of course going across, going across that Matt Stafford finally helped the Lions get to a playoff game by being on the other team. But it, it's a really interesting one here. Yeah, so the Lions, 32 years absence from winning a a playoff game and they've done it finally. There was tears in the stands after it was jubilation. It it was, the crowd was loud too. Like this is probably the most impactful crowd. They were booing. They were cheering. They were chanting golf at times. It was rowdy. It was quite, but it was quite fun. I felt it was fun. I don't know what the Rams would have felt like, but I really enjoyed this game, but credit to both teams because they really put up a performance. I think, the Rams on review might be a little bit upset with this game because they had chances they probably should have taken. I really thought that they were going to take this out, even in the fourth, that this was theirs, and they weren't able to scrape it through. They did seem respectful at the end, which I like. There wasn't like, the heartbreak that you saw at the Eagles camp, say. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, there was a very good opportunity for the Rams to break through here, and they just couldn't muster it. Because they let in, they let in yards, they let in rushing yards, they let in catches. And it was they, they statistically sort of won the game, but the Lions just held them out with the time and that one play to the winning formation. Oh, were you, how were you, did you go with the math? Because I was trying to do it really quick when they got that first down. It's like, oh, if they, can they can they kneel for the rest of this? Can yeah, they, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like they've got a lot of time to run out here. You yeah. always do that, scan the timeouts, look at the, the two-minute yeah, warning. Yeah, I was like, oh, no, they've used it, they're out. And, it was, uh, <laughs> and then it was quite joyous as you see them take the victory formation and take the knee. But it, it was a really good game. I think both coaches should be credited as well. They got their teams up and about for this game. Mm. They, they left it all there and I just... I just really enjoyed this game. It had good uh, heart pretty, in it as well. Great storylines, but not nothing vengeful or angry about it. It felt just like a great crowd, great matchup. And I'm disappointed the Rams have jumped out after what they've done this season. Like they've achieved so much. Just really didn't think that they'd uh, go down. It here. was interesting though because I, I, I really wanted the Ram, uh, the Lions, all the Rams to go deep. And I was like, what's a scenario where they could do that? Because if they didn't, they'd go to they'd play San Fran straight next. Yeah. The only way they could do that was if the Cowboys lost. So they get a little bit of an easy, yeah. they've got a win and a win, but <laughs> it is a great day for them. And I think, uh, I do think the Rams might lick their looms, uh, wounds a little bit after this game on review, but they should be very ha- happy with their season. And how do you, how do you score their season, Kev? I 100% give them an eight. Like I did not, from my expectations at the start of this season, I didn't think that they were going to come through and make an impact. 
I think they could have won this game. Maybe that's the A+. Plus. Um, but for the rookies that they drafted, the way they put this team together in such a short amount of time, I think they've done incredibly well. And my only question for them for the future is, you know, how long you're going to have Matt Stafford for uh, and how does that change this team going forward? But they've got a great call there. Cooper Cup might go out, but they've got Puka Nakua. They've got the next Cooper Cup. Oh, <laughs> like so, what a game he had too. Yeah. And well done, Sam Laporta. You got yeah, up. Yeah, Sam Laporta well got done. in. That was a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to take you to a moment of this game that I think was a bit controversial. Mm. And when Matt Stafford looked to got knocked the F out, <laughs> his eyes were rolling in his head. Mm. They take him to the sideline and he comes back on. I thought the game was done then. Oh, yeah. I can't believe he re-entered the, the game, to tell you the truth. I don't know if there's been anything from it, but, oh. You're a little bit suspicious on the on the safety call there. Oh, I just I don't know. You couldn't miss it, right? I, I was I see it. You know, I do like I see my knockouts pretty quickly for some reason. It's like one of my specialities when I'm like, yeah. But I don't know. Nah, I don't knock anyone out. I'm, I'm a softie. No, I mean you getting knocked out. Ah, no, no. I leave it to others. Like my head's pretty thick. So, and I just I saw his eyes rolling. He said, and I thought, oh, this game's over. Like this game's over. And then they're like. Oh, they bring him back on. I just, I don't know. Did you have an opinion on it? No, I was no, pretty... not really. I just thought, you know, the NFL so damn strict. I thought if he was going to go out, it would match the storyline so much more classically that they didn't get to have the final battle like that. Yeah, and I was looking for, would have been a red rocket coming on too, I think. Oh, uh, God, Andy. <laughs> Andy yeah. Damn, I would have I I been like, happy with that. <laughs> I started writing that headline up. Rams <laughs> win with red rocket at the helm. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> I couldn't, unfortunately. <laughs> as much as love as I have for Andy Dalton. But let's wrap that one up. Lions go through to the last game of the week, homie. The Eagles. Previous Super Bowl runner-ups went down to the Buccaneers, 32-9. to And the NFC South leading team is into the divisional round of the playoffs. Holmey, do you feel, you know, we should apologize to the NFC South? We've been, you know, putting crap on them for a while here. Thought, what's the point anyway? You're going to win and then just get knocked out. But they knock out the Eagles here. Do you feel, feel bad at all? Any remorse? No. Why is that? I actually, uh, no, I don't. But I feel bad for telling people last week that the Eagles would bounce back, like, in the finals. <laughs> I thought they'd do it, Chiefs. They were so disappointing. They were they were the same team that left the back end of this season, six and seven. They were atrocious. Their defense was nothing. They missed 10 tackles officially, but there would have been way more than that. It looked like they oh. missed more tackles than they made, honestly. It was Swiss cheese, this defense. Like a lot of credit to Tampa, but the performance that the Eagles and they were in the game weirdly. It was like I thought, what were we sixteen nine, mm. and then they give up a safety and it's all over. Like it was at that point, even just before the safety was taken, like they looked defeated. I feel Jalen had no life in his eyes. Rarely does he though, but the team just looked flat, tired, injured. AJ Brown was out. Jalen playing with a broken or fractured finger that he sustained last week. He made a big show of taking off the, the guard or the brace of it before the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, righto. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think the press conference ended here with head coach Nick Sirianni and Jalen both taking the blame. It was poor decision-making from Sirianni. Um, you know, there's kind of been some fortification in the rumour mill about him maybe moving on. But we were talking, I think, Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, 
kind of the issue here for the for the Philly Eagles because they really couldn't stop any tackle. And this also goes back to their preseason when they traded away their players. Like what you had a top top tier defense last year that took you to the Super Bowl, and you give up those players. They were out without safeties. They've given off Hargrave to who? Where's he gone? San Fran. Mm. And just like little chinks like this, and it's like your defense became nothing this season. Yeah, they, they allowed got... 426 offensive yards this game to the Buccaneers. Mm. Mm. It's hard. It's really hard to look at the season for the Philly and have any sort of positives out of it because, and I think that's why everyone's in question now because they're gonna. They've probably got the biggest meetings out of everyone because it's now they've also got the retirees happening. They've got no real rookies coming through. They, the rookies fell off at the midway point in the season. That's when their season fell apart as well because they couldn't sustain it through the whole season. So it's a really, really bad year for the Eagles, but maybe we should. Should we go to the go to the Bucks? They are the sh- oh, you've got one more point? Yeah, give I, it to I, me. I just want to say, remember this. We will say it again and again, but next season in the preseason when it's week four and your team is 4-0, or it's week seven in your team's seven and oh. Remember, remember what the Eagles were like just before they played the 49ers. And look where they are now. Everything can change. Stay guard, stay wary. Don't be a Cowboys fan. Expect that something bad can go wrong. Because it's it's what about, tough out there. What about this group though? Cowboys and Philly. And Philly, I know. That is crazy, right? They're Brothers both, in arms, both gone. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't do anything by their, themselves. They had to go together. <laughs> painful, painful. Well, yes, Toby, you were right. Let's talk about the Bucks and Baker Mayfield. I had so much fun watching him win this game. He and the receivers, totally in sync. 337 passing yards, three touchdowns. They were just in, in rhythm today, and, and it wasn't even... Evans or Godwin that lit up this game, but Kate Otten, Trey Palmer, and, and David Moore. And David Moore had one of these highlight receptions that literally made me think that DJ Moore had been traded to the Bucks and I had missed it. It's <laughs> like, so when did this happen? Yeah, I, I, I honestly oh, I was you like, didn't tell me this train's going through. <laughs> How dare you? Who's, who's this bloke? And I was like, God, we haven't recorded. It felt like in a long time watching the games. It was just incredible to watch Baker come through here. Do you think, though, is. is you know, is Baker the hero here because they played extremely well or was it just they were up against literal rubbish? No, they still had to play well to win this game. They were, Philly came, they were in the game for a portion of it and they, if the Bucks had rolled over, they could have taken it. But their defence was actually really strong and they put up and they took the moments and that's all you can ask for in the, in the playoffs and they take the moments. And I think it's on the back of... Baker and it's on the back of their defense and they actually they were physical they were strong they really put up and I I think it, it, they took the win here they disgraced the Eagles but they took the win here yeah. I don't think it, you, I don't think you can put it on the Eagles that they lost because they they got absolutely trolled by the Bucks and uh, even their social media have you seen the post that oh, they put up yeah buy Eagles buy <laughs> instead oh, of the fly oh, Eagles fly. Like, that's a bit brash but yeah. I love it yeah, no, that's get a... your shots in while you can <laughs> you've led the NFC South and you've beaten the previous Super Bowl runner up I think um I think you're right though I think the people are saying oh well the Eagles defense was nothing and I agree it was nothing but the extra effort and yards after the catch from receivers was very impressive regardless for them to avoid these tackles they were moving fast 
It was a quick rhythm offense. It was the best I've seen the Bucks play all season, without a doubt. I've called them the knockoff version of the Rams, and it's like for the first week I was like, they're on par. It actually looks right. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay. I was like, I'm after, and it's like, oh no, the Rams are good. So the the Bucks are the Rams now. So. They've got it through. Uh, so they, they might be taking that that crown from them. So it was a great performance by them. Yeah, and, and an absolute wild, wild card round, which was super exciting. But we're going to move on, going to give you the highlights of the games ahead and get stuck into these new coaches on the chopping block. All right, Gad, let's take people to the games next week. Uh, we've It's getting smaller, this list, and I don't like it. Me neither. I think we've only got, what is it, seven games left to watch in the whole season? Yeah. It, it's starting, I'm getting sad. I hope it's not in my voice, but I'm excited. You know, <laughs> I am excited because it's the big games we get to see. So our Sunday, 8.30 a.m., Oh, how good Sunday footy. Oh, I love this. I love this so Coming much. Coming back to Melbourne. Coming back to Melbourne. <laughs> I'll be in Forbes, oddly enough. <laughs> ah, damn it. All right, I'll see you there. <laughs> 8.30 a.m., we've got the Ravens versus the Texans in a beautiful game Ooh. here. I can't wait for that. And then we roll on to 12.15, 49ers versus Seven seed, the Packers. Interesting games. Sunday seems like the David versus Goliath day. It seems like a real tough battle there, um, but I'm excited. You know, there is options here, and I think that the Ravens and 49ers might feel a little unsettled looking at what just happened. They will definitely be reviewing these games yeah. that they've just watched. And just so it's interesting, isn't it? Because they're pretty much aligned exactly the same way. You've mm. got the powerhouse, and then you've got the up and comers. Yes. So let's see what they can do. Because they won't die wondering, these these young teams. All right, moving it on to Monday, homie. 7 a.m., we've got the Lions. Seven? Yeah. That's a strange time. Oh, my God. I don't really see kickoffs <laughs> at seven. Um, that's what I've seen. It could change as we know times change, but that's what has been reported. Mm. 7 a.m., I believe, the Lions versus the like Buccaneers, which will be a very grueling, tough game here. I'm really interested by this one. What are your thoughts on this one prim- primarily? Oh, straight up again. Like I've said, knockoff version it's of the Lions versus Rams. Rams. <laughs> it's Lions versus Rams again. Oh, I could do, we could just roll the review straight on 20, 24, 23. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, going on, the next game at 10.30 a.m., I believe, is Bills versus the Chiefs, which is the AFC showdown. We won it all season. It didn't look like the Bills were going to come up and contend, and it almost looked like the Chiefs weren't going to make it, but we got it. It's what I wanted. I love this game. If it's Bills versus Chiefs, or Bills versus Bengals, or Chiefs versus Bengals, we're back. I didn't think there was a scenario mid-season that this would happen, and it's we've got there somehow, so <laughs> I'm excited. Obviously, uh, the Bills have one less day to prepare for this because their game got pushed to Tuesday, so that's a little factor there, so it could be interesting. They've got to get themselves fresh and ready to go. That's it. it. probably be a cold one again. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I think that's one of the things. It's the both of the cold games this weekend were in Buffalo, and in Kansas City. So they're used to these conditions. Yeah, they can be used to it. But with all that to look forward to, we will be previewing that on our episode later in the week. But we're going to go talk about these three coaches that we've mentioned, homie, who could face free agency of their own. I want to go through each one, talk about their likelihood and what you think about them. Let's start with Mike McCarthy 
Cowboys, obviously, this pressure has been building for years and years and years. It's always Mike or Dak when they drop out of the playoffs. This year does seem like it's a little bit more realistic because there was such a blowout loss and struggles are there. It's been enough time. How likely do you think it is that Mike McCarthy moves on to another team this offseason? I personally don't think you would give him up. I just think when I review these coaches, I think, would you want him to go out to the market for other teams to get him? Yeah. And I guarantee if his name left the Cowboys, he'd go to the front for probably 80% of the, the teams that are looking right now. And I just think that's a that's too risky. He's got them, like I said, 12 and 5 for three seasons in a row. I do take away, there was a, in the post-press conference for Dak, he said if, if Mike's name's on the chopping board, then my name should be on the chopping board. I'll probably agree with that. Yes, oh, definitely. He wasn't out coached on the weekend. His players didn't perform. And maybe there is a little bit on the coach to get them prepared for the game, but even the calls were right. They just didn't catch. They didn't hit them. They didn't move it properly. They weren't playing correctly. And maybe the team, I'll be more interested to see if they give Dak the the contract instead of um, Mike McCarthy going. So that's where I'm sort of with that one. I think I think he's too good to pass up. Yeah. What, Maybe he brings some – yeah, sorry, you're right. Yeah, what does Jerry prefer? Would he prefer to go back to being pretty much nothing and in having yeah. a much worse losing record, not making the playoffs for a couple of years to build up this team? Or is he going to prefer to stay 12-5 and five and hopefully edge out another playoff run, put up with all the noise and the fans and everything else like that? He's a very vocal GM, which causes issues for the fans. Yeah, and... I think that's the problem. You don't know how how is he going to react mm. is the question, right? Because he could just go, he could just be like, I've had enough of it. Yeah. And uh, we know he's friends with Bill Belichick as well. Yeah, that was what we were all saying. Which is an interesting one to bring into the conversation. But people don't think that'll happen because it would ruin their friendship. So I also, I just can't see, I know they're friends. But for me, on a, a match-to-match level between how involved Jerry is and how involved Bill is with the team, I think Bill wants autonomous control. I don't think he wants to be sharing that at all with Jerry. No, he said he would change. He said it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. That's why he's left the Patriots because he did yeah, the exact opposite why. of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is an interesting one. I Do you think it's likely? I think it, I, th- I feel it's very unlikely. I, I can't see it happening, but... There's a little voice in the back of my head that says, they're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get him. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to be worried. I, I'm feeling more in the likely camp, but I, I'm battling right there. I'm really on the fence with it, but I'm going to tip over to likely. It's more likely than it's ever been, I think, and that, that's where I'm Yeah, I, right I'll now. agree with that. It, it, is, it is in lights. It's really in lights right now. I think you're right there, Kev, definitely. I think something I was meant to mention in the news, homie, and this is a little bit of a side, but we mentioned Bill Belichick. And it was announced that he's completed his first interview with all teams. It was the Falcons. How do you think that lines up? Well, I don't think they interviewed him. Like that's where <laughs> that's my first point. I do like that they tweeted that they had interviewed Bill Belichick. No, no, he he's he shopping, you. not you. Yeah. That is a very different story there. I thought that was cute by them. Well done, Falcons, for getting that one out. So. <laughs> yeah. I I I don't see that as a match. I, I don't, don't know see why. that as a match. Yeah, it just I, seems wrong. Yeah, I can't see it. I cannot see it. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe they'll, <laughs> with the amount of coaches left at the thing, maybe Bill has to pick the Falcons. You don't know. It's a, 
it could be very interesting. But that one I did struggle with. I did have a good chuckle at when I saw it. On yeah, the, I thought on of all Twitter teams page. to rear their ugly head first. I was surprised it was the Falcons for Bill. Moving it on, Nick Sirianni. This has come from the past few weeks, especially leading up to the playoffs where the Eagles have had their dive. Things are going wrong there. Nick Sirianni, as I said in the in the recap, he's taken the blame as well as Jalen took the blame for their performance and their loss and, and what's been going on there. Clearly a, a full collapse at Eagles camp. Rumours are swirling. Does Nick Sirianni, do you think it's justified that he gets fired? I don't think it is justified, but they're a supporter group and a city that doesn't care yeah. <laughs> what I think either. Like they had signs ready to go, like to fire him. Like they were... Like they are ruthless. Not, I think the Cowboys are probably a little bit lighter than yeah. I than think Philly, which well, is, I think the Cowboys fans don't pack a punch. Where yeah, it, when yeah. You, yeah, it's the boy who cried wolf every year. You go fire our coach, fire our quarterback, and the next year we say this is our year. We're not going to take you as seriously as Eagles fans who just came out of a Super Bowl last year, who want that coach fired. But isn't isn't that the, isn't that the sentence? They just came out of a Super Bowl. Mm. He knows how to get him there. They had a misstep, big misstep, but th- like surely he can write that pretty quick if he's given the chance. Well, as you said, they they know how to get there. But what you also said previously is they got to the Super Bowl with a great defense, and they didn't keep that developed this year. And and that that might be why. Maybe he gets another year to to reason it. I well, think it's unreasonable and- for Sirianni to get dropped at this point. I, I honestly I think it's out of all the coaching firings we've seen. There's a lot to fix there, that's for sure. But I don't think it's us with Sirianni. And who are you getting in to replace him in that system? Yeah, you're right. Is it a better like who is a better option right now? That's yeah, not going to say. I just you can't back? see it. Yeah, I, and that's the same question for the Cowboys as well. I can't see someone better for you right now that would walk in. Maybe Bill, but again, we've talked like he will not fit many clubs. He would not like he's got to get the right. That's why he's interviewing because he's going to find the fit for him. Yeah. And I think the other teams, like, um, they're looking more for more of a development-style coach. So they're not going for an established coach because they haven't got the team that can get there straight away. So I, I just find it really – I don't know why they've gone straight to this narrative for both these teams. Yes, the disappointing. Everyone will be very much hurting, but they're still great coaches that had them yeah. 11 and zip for one point in this season, you know. It was yeah, a struggle. I do I struggle. maybe everyone swept up in the surprise of – not only how many coaches are on the carousel this postseason, but who especially. You know, once Bill kind of left, it was no one's safe. And Mike Rabel even, I think everyone's like, well, he was actually good. So everyone's job is up for questioning, except for maybe Andy Reid, who's sitting there pretty comfortably in red. I think this might just be getting a bit carried away here. But Sirianni, I think, seems more likely than McCarthy to me. I'll agree with that. Yeah. I 100% feel that would be the that's the narrative I would feel for both of those. But whoa, this carousel is fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad we introduced the term super early in the season and it's come to this full light now. But let's move on to the last one. Not exactly the same scenario as everyone else. Mike Tomlin from the Steelers, his contract is up at the end of the 2024 season. Now, homie, you and I were speaking off air before the show started. You were saying that this is a little bit strange, that is, we don't know what's going on in the future, even though it is a year away. It's not that it's strange, that it's, it's but it it tells that the, they're not committed to someone. So when a coach is left with one year on the contract, it's kind of saying, we'll see how you go. Mm. 
we're not confident and we want to leave it open. They call it a lame duck year, lame duck contract when you've got one year to run as a coach. So basically, and you know that what that means. It's like you're going to get done. Yeah. So they, there's a bit of concern here and they're, they're thinking, is he, the, is he the coach of the future for them? And potentially the contract's decisions are telling us they may not think he is. So I think this one has a bit, this should have a bit of sting because it's, I don't, I don't trust that they're going to do anything good. And if they have a bad season next year, he'll, he'll go. I can't see him staying. Yeah. I think it's an interesting one and you're battling with the Steelers, their history and their precedent that they've set for coaches. Now we did see the OC go this year and maybe they liked how that shift happened. Um, but with their relationship with Tomlin and the whole organization, I'd be very skeptical that they take this lightly. Now we yeah. know the Patriots had a huge downfall from grace and that narrative almost suits. Now the bill's gone, but with Tomlin, he has achieved a lot. And you know, they, not only was it a winning season, but he got into the playoffs. But as we've said with those stats, they've zero from four in the playoffs since 2017. It doesn't look good there. I, would support a change, honestly. And and I like Tomlin. All the players like Tomlin. They're very supportive of him and his mentorship and his coaching. I'd love to see him in college, honestly, <laughs> to go back in and to hype up those boys and develop young men. But I, I think this one actually does have something behind it. But we're still about a year away from that coming to light. Yeah, and he might be someone that actually chooses to go to free agency as a coach. Yeah. He might choose to he might choose not to renew it and to see what he can get in the market. Because there's a lot of positions available and yeah, it could be maybe a very not, attractive team. Maybe for not at the start of next year. Then we'll, we'll, we'll have a full new roster. I'm glad I, uh, uh, there is one positive of this. You know how bad I was at naming the coaches early in the season. <laughs> Doesn't matter now. Doesn't matter. Well, you're just going to have year. to learn more next year. When you're <laughs> no, 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 then I, I can learn them all fresh. I can learn them all fresh. <laughs> it's so handy. This is so great. Well, at least we've got a Mayo man in a coaching position now. A new favorite Mayo boy, who knows? But, uh, I think that's a that's a full app for a wild card round. We're going into the preview of the divisional rounds later this week. It's very exciting, homie. We're saying goodbye to teams every week, but I think we need to say goodbye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onside Punt. Remember, whether you're a diehard fan or just getting started on your NFL journey, we've got you covered. Remember to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Onside Pun. And we've got a TikTok as well. So get on that as well. Thanks, Kat. It's been a great episode. Thanks, buddy. It was good to see you this weekend. All right, man. I'll see you, Forbes. <laughs> you beat my plus one to the win. Yeah. <laughs>